0: It, it is true, and we have been going through this whole um, system of covenants, and, and through. And tonight I, I'm so glad as we wrap this up um, tonight that we talk about you know the one that brings them all together, the one that all the others were for, that set the stage for, and so tonight we're going to talk about the new covenant. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 22. um as always um i'm up here i just i i've got to say this i feel compelled to say this these are the only words that matter Um, my opinions theologians all those other things they're all great stuff but these are the only words that matter Um, these are the only reason i have any authority to get up here and preach or teach um it's the only reason, the only authority we have to be a church. And and I'm not going to make you stand tonight, um, but I just want you to remember it, man. These are the words. My words don't matter. It's these words. And so in Luke chapter 22, verse 14 and um, and 15, Jesus says, it "says When the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. Then he said to them, I have fervently desired to eat this Passover you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Will you pray with me one more time? God, thank you again for your word. God, I pray that you would just speak tonight as we just come to the realization once again and hear once again of how much you gave for us. God, because you loved us, because you made us, God, and you wanted us to be in relationship, how much you sacrificed and gave to us. God, encourage us tonight, challenge us, change us, embolden us. And again, may you get the glory. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. So a- as a review, um, I just I want to go over um, a few of the covenants. And it figures that's not going to be on tonight. Um, The very first one was uh, we talked about the Abrahamic covenant. It's really it's not the first covenant. I I think actually if you go back into uh, creation stuff, the first covenant was back with Adam and Eve um, and then the Noah covenant with the rainbow. We know all that. But just the Abrahamic covenant was the idea that God says, listen, I'm going to choose a person. I'm going to create a people and they're going to be a blessing to all the world. And this is how I'm going to bring restoration. This is how I'm going to bring salvation. And So Abraham did that. And remember, it was, it was really a one-sided covenant. It was God saying, I'm going to do this really no matter what. I'm, this is what's going to happen, and I'm going to choose you. And, and it showed through that um, with the idea and in the Hebrew when it talks about covenant, it talks about like cutting. And it talked about how there was a deal when someone would come into covenant with one another. They would take an animal and they'd split it in two and they would put it on each side. And the two people in the covenant would walk through it. And the idea is that if I don't keep my part, if I don't stay, stick along with this, then may I, may this happen to me. Except when God made that covenant with Abraham, Abraham stood there and God walked through He says, I'm the one that's going to keep. I'm the one that's going to fulfill. I'm the one that's going to sustain and maintain this covenant and it started there from there we moved on to the mosaic covenant um which again that's where the law came in god saying here's the standard and, and i think so often we think like um we're, we're a new testament church and, and everything and we're we're not under law no we're not under the law but the law is still there the standard has always been the same god set the standard for us and said this is the this is the standard to live And I loved being in youth ministry, and throughout the years, I always challenge people when we talk about sin and everything. They're like, well, I'm not so bad. I'm like, okay, here's the Ten Commandments. Keep them for a week. Don't break one of them. And I'd have a call by Monday night going, okay, I messed up on this. Because the truth is, it's impossible for us to keep the standard because we're in a fallen state. And the idea is that not only do we keep it for a week, we have to keep it forever. And so God set the standard Through Moses and the law that came down and said, here's how you're supposed to treat, respond to me. And here's how you're supposed to respond to each other. And it's always supposed to be this way. And so in the end, the people realized and we realized I can't do this. It's probably one of the greatest struggles in Western culture and prideful culture is the one thing that we don't want to admit, especially as guys, is something like I can't fix it. You know, I hate it when my wife says, hey, this is broken. Can you do something about it? I'm like, yeah, sure. And YouTube, Google, I don't have any idea because we don't want to admit that we can't fix the problem. But the truth is, is in our fallen state, we can't fix it. We we can't be perfect. But thank Jesus. Thank God that Jesus was. And so this was more of a conditional covenant. It says conditional and non-conditional. God said, listen, if you follow my rules, if you live the way I did, I've laid out for you, you're going to be blessed. If you don't, you're going to come under judgment. And so there was kind of a condition there. So I live God's way, and it leads to freedom. It leads to to hope and and to purpose. I live my way, and it leads to bondage every time. If you don't believe me, watch the news and see a world living its own way and see what a mess we're in. And, And so that covenant came into play, and it was a picture. And out of that came the Passover. You know, remember the Passover? we've done Seder meals here a couple of times. We'll probably do it again this year because some people I was waiting to see if anybody complained this year. And a couple of people did. So I'm like, all right, we will do it again. But it's this beautiful picture of the Passover lamb. That I'm gonna, this lamb that was supposed to take upon the sin and the spreading of the blood of the doorposts through the angel of death, the angel of the judgment would pass over the people. And out of that, you know, out of this Mosaic covenant, all that stuff, that came. And it was a picture of something to come. And then two weeks ago, before our little break last week for our our, um, anniversary, we talked about the Davidic covenant, where God says, I'm going to set up a rulership. Listen, I hate to tell you, I love this country. I love I I was a soldier for seven years. I've done two things in my life. It's really funny. I know how to blow stuff up and I know how to preach. I know how to soldier and I know how to pastor. And that's really all I know how to do. which makes security guard at Universal really fun most of the time because they don't let me blow anything up. But I get to pastor people, and I get to, like, soldier people. But the Davidic covenant was this idea that, okay, there's going to be a ruler. There's going to be someone in charge. And it was always God's plan, especially with the Israelites, that it was supposed to be a theocracy, that God was going to lead them, and he was going to speak through his prophets and his judges. And, but God was going to lead them and said, no, we want a king. And so they tried it. They got Saul. Good guy, good looking guy. Everybody chose him, says, yeah, he's a perfect guy, except he wasn't. He disobeyed God. He lost God's favor. And then David comes up, a man after God's own heart. And with David, he makes a promise. He says, this throne will last forever. One day, there'll be a ruler that will rule all of this and everything with justice, with mercy, with truth. And this throne will last forever. And and it's a promise because in that time, David joined all the tribes. In that time, you saw Solomon raise up and build the temple and God's people coming together. Um, It was the golden age of Israel. They quickly departed. And since then, there has not been a king. There has not been a king in there for all that time. And so God says, one day there's a king coming. And he's going to come out of your line and he's going to rule and all, everything's going to be set back to right. So that leads us to tonight, to the new covenant. And, and, I, and I love this and I love that um, we have come kind of full circle with this. And so look, look back at uh, Luke 22, look at verse 14 and 15. <clears throat> Jesus is instituting the Lord's Supper. Um, he's instituting this remembrance, and really, all it is is the Passover meal. And so, it's really, really cool. Well, he takes this and he says, "Here's what this has always meant." A- and so, I love. It says when the hour came, he reclined at the table and apostles. And then he said to them, "I fervently desire to eat this Passover with you before I suffer." I, it says, "I Jesus, is like I have waited for this. I was born." For this moment from eternity past. I mean, you want something to kind of just blow your mind? God the Son has always existed. Jesus Christ lived 2,000 years ago. But God the Son, this plan from the moment that man and female fell was coming into place. So I, I don't think he was even saying like, hey, since like I was born or since I understood what was going on, you know, and I went to the temple. I think he says "An eternity past, I have waited for this moment to eat this Passover. It's almost like he's saying, I, I wanted to be here with you before I became the Passover. Before I become the Passover, the thing that was modeled so many years ago in Egypt and everything. This is what it all meant. You know, and I think the disciples are sitting there going like, I have no clue what he's talking about. It's Passover. We eat, we drink wine, we celebrate and all stuff. And, and it was hard at this time too. Just think of Passover because what's happening? They, they are ruled by the Romans. And all this is, is this idea that oh, someday Messiah is coming. Someday Messiah is coming. Someday Messiah is coming. And if they only knew that day. And so if you've been to a Seder meal, if you've done a Passover meal, you understand that the biggest part about it is the lamb. You know, that, that's the part, the lamb that is slain and the, the blood is sprinkled over the doorpost. And so they were passed over judgment. It was, it was the night of freedom it was the night that judgment came and they were set free from all oppression and everything. And so the lamb was of huge, huge importance. turn over to Matthew 26. Another telling, Matthew's telling uh, of, the first, of the Lord's Supper here. In Matthew 26, verse 26, this what it says. As they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed, broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body. It's really interesting here because you've got to understand this is unleavened bread. And in the Jewish mind and in Jewish thought, when you did unleavened bread, it was a sign of sinlessness. That there was no leaven in there. You you read all the time, don't let leaven get into there. Don't let leaven. It was always kind of a, a symbol of sin sneaking into the heart or sneaking into the community. Don't let it. And so this was unleavened bread. There was no rise to it. Um, we often do like the matzah type crackers. You see them. They're a little bent. They're a little crusty and stuff. And they're really hard. Um, because there's no leaven in there. There's nothing to make it rise and fluffy. We like fluffy. We're Westerners. We like fluffy and everything. But this, um, I mean... This, the Passover meal wasn't like this great it wasn't an awesome meal you had bitter herbs you had like salt and you had all kinds of things that, that mention stuff that remind you of the oppression and stuff and you had unleavened bread and everything but, but it's really interesting Jesus skips the lamb part you see because there's no need for a lamb anymore because there's no need for man to have a lamb because the lamb was now there The lamb that would take away the sins of the world. The lamb, the one and only sacrifice that would ever be needed. No sacrifice ever needed again was there. And so there was no need for lamb. So really in this, the unleavened bread, that little cracker, this is why when we do communion quarterly or we have it available all the time, we have the cracker. We don't have lamb because we don't need it anymore. There's no need for a lamb to be killed anymore because the lamb died. But he doesn't stop there. I mean, this is what really, really, and and I want to take a moment, I forgot about this, but I want to take a moment there's this whole thing called transubstantiation Um, it is mostly like a Catholic thing in some of the higher churches. And it is the belief, that the idea that actually when you, eat the, when you eat the bread, it actually becomes the flesh and stuff of Christ. This is, by the way, the early, early church was called cannibals when they would talk about this because they look at this like, this, you guys are nuts and crazy, Why his body, his blood. They thought they were nuts and crazy and something wrong with them. But that idea, and I don't know where that came from, Or who thought of it first. But they're nowhere in scripture. When you take communion it does not become the real body of Christ. It is a reminder. It is a symbol of that unleavened bread. That there's a a sinlessness now. There's a payment for sin. There's no need for a lamb. There's no need for that. And so just if anyone ever brings that up to you. Says oh we take communion. Yeah it becomes the actual blood. It becomes no. Nowhere in scripture. We, we always try to add things, which I never understood. Why do we add to something that's already perfect? That's God saying amen. But we always try to add to it, and we don't need to it. You know, can I tell you? The gospel has always been and always will be enough. You, you don't need PowerPoint or lasers or any kind of fancy stuff. You don't need Jesus. Anybody that says, well, Jesus and... You need to walk away from those people because it's never Jesus and it is Jesus and Jesus only. The gospel has always been enough. And so in this picture, Christ is talking and he's, he's opening up the Passover. And he's like, hey, no more for the lamb. This is why we are taking the bread, the unleavened bread. That there's, this is the symbol of, of sinlessness, that sin is being taken care of. Then he moves to the covenant part. He moves this thing. And in the Passover meal, there are four cups. And it's really, really cool what happens here. And I didn't, you know, I always thought about it, but it just kind of struck me this week. Look at verse um, 27 in Matthew 26. It says, then he took the cup and after giving thanks, he drank, giving thanks, he gave it to them and said, drink from, from it, all of you verse 28 for this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for the many for the forgiveness of sins but i tell you i will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when i drink new with you in my father's kingdom and so what what these four cups in the Passover meal is the four i wills of the god saying i'm promising and and, and so the first one the first cup was sanctification the idea that I will bring you out, I will pull you out, I'm going to separate you, I'm going to pull you out of Egypt for the Jews, I'm, I'm going to sanctify you, you are going to be a nation of priests, you're going to be holy, set apart, so I'm going to bring you out, sanctify. The second cup was praise, I will rid you of the oppressors, I will rid you of the sin, I will rid you of all this. And so it was a, it was a cup of praise always. The third cup was redemption, I will redeem you. You are bought with a price. Do do we understand that without Christ, we are slaves to sin? With Christ, we're still slaves because he bought us. He paid for us in full. The difference is is that type of slavery leads to freedom and purpose and meaning and and everything. And so in the third cup, he's like, I'm going to redeem you. It was the redemption, and and it was probably one of the favorite cups. And then the final cup is acceptance. I'm going to take you. And I believe that Jesus skipped over all the other cups, and he went to the fourth cup. Because if you notice, he didn't drink it. He handed it off and said, you guys drink all this. This is the cup. This is the blood, the new covenant, my blood that's poured out for you. This is the New Deal. It's poured out for everyone and, and it's taken. But Jesus didn't drink of it. You know why? It says, I mean, look at the, Look at look at what he says. In verse 29 it says, but I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine, basically from this cup from now until that day when I drink it new. With you in my father's kingdom. The reason I believe Jesus didn't drink that is because the Jewish people didn't accept him. He wasn't accepted yet. On that day when he returns, when every knee bows and every tongue confesses, that day everyone accepts Jesus. That's why I always tell people, listen, you have a choice. You can do it now. You can turn your life over. You can say, God, I know I'm a sinner. I've done it my way. I'm going to do it your way. You can do it now and bow the knee now out of choice, or you can do it then when it's too late, when you don't have a choice. Because every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that he is Lord. And, and so that last cup, he didn't take. He says, you know, I, 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 it's acceptance. We're accepting every, but he didn't drink of it because he wasn't accepted yet. Except, can you imagine that day when we do the Lord's Supper all together, all tribes, all tongues, all peoples, all together. On that day, he drinks from the cup. That's awesome to me. That is so cool um, to me. And so out of this, we have this whole new covenant, this whole new deal. In, in fact, it, it says back the promise to Abraham is fulfilled at this moment, then those next day, that next few hours when Jesus is, is captured and he's beaten and then he's crucified, that promise when he looked at Abraham and said, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed by your offspring because you have obeyed my command. This is what he was talking about. This is the fulfillment of all that that is, that when Christ came, that promise to Abraham that from your seed out of your people out of one day will come someone that will bless everyone. That is Jesus and only Jesus. No other religious figure on the planet can claim that. You understand that Jesus Christ is the only one that has ever stood on this earth and said, I am the God. God me saying, I am the God in flesh so you can understand and see. Everyone else has said, I'm the mouth of God. I'm a prophet of God. I'm a son of God. I'm but none claim. You know, This is why I love when the Jehovah Witnesses come in, over to my house, and they knock on my door, and they, they don't come anymore. You know, I need to move back into a neighborhood where they're trying. I need to find out where they're at so I can move into that neighborhood because we have discussions because usually it's one, and I ask a few questions, and the next week it's like two, and by the third week it's a pastor, and by the fourth week they put like a sign on my house, don't go by here anymore because I always ask them, and they say, well, we believe this. I'm like, it's awesome, but you and I are never going to agree on one thing, that Jesus Christ is Lord. He never said that. I said, yeah, he said it over and over again. He made it very, very clear that Jesus Christ, he said he is God over and over again. And they never, they don't believe that. And it's so sad because we don't understand that without that fully God, fully man, salvation doesn't work. He is who he said he was. And and through him, all nations were blessed and everything was coming. That is a nasty storm. I'm so glad I'm not working at Universal tonight. <laughs> That's weird. All of these supposed to be gone. There we go. So let's look at it. Like a lot of the time, we say that you know, here's new. We're New Testament people, and so. But what's the difference between the New Covenant and the Law? There's a few things that 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 have happened. First, um, the Law was a shadow. Of what was to come. The new covenant. This promise of Christ. His death and his resurrection. And his blood. Is the substance of it. It was the fulfillment uh, uh, of it all. In, in, in the law. Sin paid is anticipated. One day it will be paid. You know, One day we'll have, we'll have our great Passover feast. We'll do this. We'll sacrifice the lamb and everything. All the sins. You know, and so it's, it's anticipated. Hopefully one day it's for real. With Christ, sin paid is realized. It was done. That's why he said on the cross, it is finished. It's it's a banker's term that he used, tete Lestoy. paid in full. The debt is paid, and so sin paid is totally realized. There is no more debt through him. In, in the law, the sacrifice is provision, provisional and reoccurring. They had to do it over and over again. Every year they had to do it. Every year they had to do it. And your hope was like, man, I just need to live to that point so I can get there, so we can do the sacrifice and, and you know, make it another year. Christ's sacrifice was eternal and sufficient. Again, that's why he said it's finished. And to prove the point that it was good enough, he rose again. That's the stamp of approval. That's why Paul says, without the resurrection, there's no hope. The resurrection tells us that, yes, this was good enough. What Christ did for us on this cross, this new covenant, paid for by blood. That's like all the other covenants. Back in Abraham's day, the covenant, he came down, he was supposed to sacrifice his son. Remember, right? As the knife's coming down, God's like, whoa, nope. I see, I see you, you trust me, you believe me. There's a ram over there, use that. You know, The Mosaic Covenant, again with the sacrificial system, and even in the Davidic Covenant, just the loss and everything, there was always paid for through blood. That was the life thing. But in the old way, you had to do it over and over again. You know, that's this is one of the reasons I believe once saved, always saved. See, I don't think we save ourselves. So how can we unsave ourselves? I believe God is sovereign and his grace is sufficient. And so that one sacrifice was enough for all. It was eternal and sufficient. I love this one. Men's lamb covered the sin. God's lamb takes it away. If you knew the process when the day of atonement came and they would sacrifice lamb, the high priest would go into the holy of holies. He was the only one allowed in there. They would tie a rope around his ankle in case something happened to him and he fell dead so they could pull him out. And they had little bells on them to make sure he was still alive. But he went into the Holy Holies where the ark was supposed to be. By Jesus' time, they had lost the ark. They had no idea where it was. And so it was really symbolic. But they would take it and they would sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat over the ark. And the idea is that inside the ark was the law. And throughout the year, God would look down and he would be reminded of all the law that we would be breaking. And yet the sin, the blood would cover it, and he would no longer see the law, he would see the blood, and so the sin was covered. When Christ came, it's not covered, it's gone. It's paid for. When we come to the realization that we need a Savior, when we come to him with a humble heart, with a true heart, and say, I know I'm a sinner, I know you're the only way, and I give my life to you, God says it is, he takes the sin. And I love this picture. He takes the sin and far as it, throws it as far as east is from east and as far as west is from west. And I love that picture for the sheer fact that if you start walking east today, you will never stop walking east. If you start talk, walking west, you are going to forever walk west. If you walk north, eventually you're going to walk south. And then north again. And then south. And then north. It's gone. Every other covenant has led to this point. The law still matters because we still have a standard to live by but it is gone. The sin is gone. Erwin Lutzer, he's he's a preacher today and I love it. He says, don't ever think that there are many ways to the divine. Jesus is the one qualified mediator, the only qualified sacrifice, and the only qualified savior. That's what this has all been about. I mean, do you understand that this entire book is written on the fact that God had a plan to redeem his people? And even though this promise, this promise when Jesus is doing with the Passover, it's still a promise to the Jews. They've never stopped being His chosen people. It's still a covenant with them, but by the grace of God, and by saying that, okay, I have come not only to pour out my blood for you, but for all. This is my blood, verse twenty. This for this is the blood of a covenant which is poured out for many, for the forgiveness of sins. For all, it's available to everyone. This is still coming that we are adopted into this family. We're adopted into this co- this covenant. We can sing, "Father Abraham," and say, "Father Abraham," because we're adopted. We are grafted in, but there's no way else. And I know that's not a popular thing today. It hasn't been popular for a long time. It's going to become less popular because everyone's like, if you're just, you know, if you're just sincere, it doesn't matter what path you take. It's ridiculous to think that. I spent seven years in the Army, and part of my job was to look at maps and figure out how to get to one place. And It always mattered what path you took because you took the wrong one, you're stepping off a cliff in the middle of the night. It always matters. This is why Jesus said the statement that people hate today. He said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Not a way, not a truth, not a life, but the way. There is no other path to salvation except through Jesus. And until we realize that and we accept that and we buy into that and we join into this covenant, we are lost. We are in the dark. And we are going nowhere. That's what this covenant means. This is hope. See, it doesn't matter. We talked a little bit about this this morning. It doesn't matter what you do. It's about who you do it for. And so many of us live with this idea. If I'm only, you know, if I only read my Bible enough. If I pray enough. If I go to church enough. If I give enough money. If I do nice things. And we make this checklist of things that we need to do. When Jesus said, No this is it, this is the new covenant, me. I mean, just think about it. Because he was fully God and fully man, he carried both sides of the covenant with him on the cross. The humanity and the the divine. He's the only one that could make this covenant. This is why he had to be God and man at the same time. He's the one that carried and created the covenant because he was the two participants. The one being sacrificed was also the one being sacrificed for. Isn't that amazing? No other person in history has done this. From Genesis 1 until the very end in Revelation, It is about Jesus saying, I am the way. This is the new covenant. This is the one that supersedes and overtakes all of them. Because they are all based upon this covenant. The promise he made to Abraham, the promise to to the Israelites through Moses, the promise to David, the promise to Noah. Every other covenant leads to this point. And God says, you know what? I'm going to take care of it. We have our part we need to admit we need a savior we have to come to him and say i know i need a savior but god does all the work this is why i'm always ragging and pushing you guys go tell the gospel go share the story of god Because it is God that does the outcome. He's the one that takes care of it all. Jesus even said, no one comes to me unless the Father draws them. It is God that does the drawing. It is Jesus and the Holy Spirit that does the changing. We just get to tell the story and be part of a story that God's going to do. And I promise you, God is going to save who he's going to save. No matter what we do, he's going to keep this covenant. He's going to keep this promise. We just get to be a part of it. But it's Jesus only. Never Jesus and. It's, it's Jesus only.